Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill. I'm telling you, if you're not using this Durachill, you're not really in the pot business. You're just on the fringe of it. So if you really want to get serious, man, this is what you need. You need a Durachill in your life. You've got the technology here to have the cleanest, purest, healthiest product. I'm impressed. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Durachill or else. If your chiller's down, you ain't making money. And you heard it from me, Tommy Chong. Brought to you by PolyScience. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks, brought to you by PolyScience. This is Patricia Miller, Managing Editor of Cannabis and Tech Today. So let's talk about blockchain. Um, it's not part of everyone's vocabulary, but it is becoming more common in everyone's lives. Um, so the cannabis space, especially as an emerging industry, has a real opportunity here to start using blockchain. Um, it's great for accountability. It's a tool for transparency and compliance. Um, but before we dive into all of those cool things, uh, I'd love to introduce my guest today, Isaac Balbin. He's the CEO of Parcel which is an inventory and compliance solution that uses blockchain technology for the cannabis space. So Isaac, thanks for joining us. No, thanks, Patricia. Happy to be here. Yeah. So Isaac is joining us all the way from Australia. Um, and I'd really like to learn a bit more about your background in cannabis and technology before we start talking about blockchain. So what, what kind of drew you to this unique space? So look, you know, I guess, Way back, way back then, you know, when I was a little kid, um, I, I think like most people used to think that cannabis was for getting high. And I'd have people coming and claiming it can do all these other things, but they never were able to back it up. And I'm very uh, adamant that if you're going to make a claim, you need to be able to back it up in some way, shape or form. So uh, I tended to just sort of dismiss it at the time. But I had a friend who invited me to a meetup at a place here in Melbourne called <clears throat> the Peter McKellen Cancer Center. And it was a uh, meetup all about uh, the science of medicinal cannabis. And all of a sudden I discovered facts, data, the fact that there's this whole new regulatory system in our body and it particularly binds strongly to chemicals that are predominantly somewhat uniquely found in cannabis. All of a sudden it all makes sense and it's fantastic. And I remember so distinctly putting my hand up at that conference and asking the presenters where I can get that information. But I was a little taken aback when they just pointed at me and said, it's your job to go find it. We, we had medicinal cannabis here in Australia, but the government had made the regulatory environment so difficult that effectively no one was able to get it. Hmm. Uh, and then I saw something that, look, it's often known as a classic case in cannabis, uh, a poor young kid uh, who was sick with, a rare medical condition. And the way that cannabis was being uh, regulated here, only specific conditions qualified a patient to be able to receive medicinal cannabis. Mm -hmm. So this poor kid who was going to be a triathlete was struck down in you know, prime early years of his life. Um, he was never going to be able to qualify because only 20 people in the whole world have what he has. So good luck running any sort of clinical trial to gather evidence and right. all the rest of it. Meanwhile, his parents luckily knew someone that knew someone and they actually were able to get him 
uh, capsulated cannabis. Uh, so just raw ground flour, you know, in capsules, and he took them. Now, he was having 200 seizures a day and pain levels that he described as 14 out of 10. Wow. After he started using the medicinal cannabis, he didn't have a seizure for 18 months. Pain level didn't go up above a seven. Now, didn't cure his disease, but it gave him his life back. Mm -hmm. And how can anyone look at that and say it's criminal what his parents did to provide him that medicine? It was at that point that I decided I can't abide this situation. It is unacceptable and I need to do something about it. Now, I don't have bags of cash. I can just throw up problems to solve them, which would be a lovely way to be able to deal with problems. Um, but I had a technology background. And so at that time, um, that was the genesis of Parcel, which was always designed to be a technology solution that bridges the gaps between people that actually want the same outcome, but are approaching it from two different perspectives and so don't know how to get there uh, in a synchronized fashion. Okay, so maybe you can share with us how Parcel is, is helping to bridge that gap. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, for example, uh, if we talk about something as simple as inventory data, right? Uh, we've, the cannabis supply chain is quite rigid uh, in the way that it works. There's not a lot of flexibility, uh, a lot of restrictions. And um, when product is moving from one point to another, there are often all sorts of things that can happen that can introduce delays, etc. Now, the receiving of inventory requires a business to hire extra staff, be able to manage that when they're getting a big shipment in. Problem is, what happens if that shipment is one day late, two days late, a week late? Have you hired three extra people and just had them sitting in your business doing nothing? It creates all this inefficiency and uncertainty because it's not only the inventory guys that are having to deal with this problem, the salespeople don't know what they can and can't sell because the numbers that they are using to determine what they actually have in stock, it doesn't reflect the reality. And a lot of times they'll make a sale, they won't be able to fulfill it because they don't have enough stuff. And it ends up with everybody chasing their tail all the time to try to catch up with this. When parcel comes into play, we, for example, help a business with its own inventory. So that's got to be where you start. Otherwise, forget about the rest. But then we also have mechanisms to allow businesses to be able to selectively and in a very controlled fashion, share data with each other. Mm -hmm. So if I could see your inventory data and you were sending me the shipment, I don't have to ask you when it's coming. I can see. I can, I can track the growth of the plants if I'm waiting for a harvest. I can track the drying process. I know when it's in trimming and curing and uh, I know exactly how much is on the shelf and I know the day that it leaves the warehouse. These things all seem like, oh, it's not such a big deal, each one of them, right? But by putting these little, small, common sense efficiency savings into place, we're able to allow the industry to cooperate and collaborate together in the way that it wants to, but it doesn't know how to because it's scared. I love that. So you've got more efficiency for uh, the retailer, for the manufacturer. Um, and then each of these parts is, is connected using blockchain technology, right? So am I getting that right? It's, that's how you're, you're tracking it? 
sort of. I guess we use a blend of technologies, and this has been our approach all the way back from the start. We're not blockchain fanatics. If we were blockchain fanatics, none of this would have worked. There's been a bunch of people that came out and said, you know, we're going to do everything on chain, but there are real serious issues in there. You need to balance the right to privacy, whether that's the privacy for your medical data, whether it's just the privacy of your consumption habits, whether it's uh, private sensitive commercial information that, you know, I'm a grower and my my whole reason for the value that I have uh, as, a, as a professional cultivator is my method of going about and growing the plants. And if someone's able to extract that information, why would I let you track it if you're just going to give it to someone else and ruin my business? Hmm. Now, these are all legitimate concerns and you, we have the ability to address them, but we need to be very critical about how we, deplo- how we deploy blockchain and we always need to err on the side of caution and fully anonymize uh, information, encrypt it, you know, to the to a level that would effectively make it impossible. We, we've seen data breaches before, but when we start to talk about something like a blockchain, a small data breach can have a, an avalanche-style effect on the other side of it. So maybe for our listeners, it'd be helpful to break down some of the terminology a little bit. Um, what how would you describe um, blockchain technology? So blockchain is a technology that advances the idea of what a network can be. You know, all of us previously thought that the most efficient way, you know, a network is a series of nodes that are connected together, right? Doing whatever they're doing. And we previously thought that the most effective way to structure this is to have a strong centralized authority that, Um, decides how things should be and then trickles down orders and instructions to all of the little ends. And that kind of worked to some extent. It It was better than no organization for sure. Blockchain allows us to enable these things called a decentralized network. So you can think about it like an army, right? Because people understand that. Previously, We needed a general to decide everything for the army and then his orders just flow down. But armies that fought in that way were not effective. The armies that were the most effective are the ones that had small independent units and everyone's more or less working to the end goal, but the people out on the ground making decisions in real time, they don't have to go check with everyone. Mm. They're fully empowered and trusted and they they trust the other elements of the army to do the right thing and that, that strong level of trust allows them to be in a very effective force. Similarly, in blockchain, we'll have a network that is a decentralized network. So why do we want, for example, the cannabis industry to end up becoming like so many other industries where there are three mega-sized companies that kind of, that you know, it's co-opetition, right? Where, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there's the appearance of competition, but, you know, us consumers are the ones that are getting the sharp end of the stick. Mm. Whereas in cannabis, we really have the ability to allow the industry to evolve and be as efficient, even more efficient than what Amazon can be in their internal supply chain as a strong centralized company. But the cannabis industry needs to be allowed to be a decentralized community of individuals and collectives that are all working in this one way towards a common goal of providing good quality product for the people who need it. 
Okay, beautifully explained. I appreciate that metaphor. I think um, these terms can sometimes sound really abstract, but and and maybe people don't realize that they're already being put in place, and there are already a lot of technologies that are incorporating it and relying on these things. One thing that, um, from my understanding, people have appreciated about blockchain is it's more difficult to corrupt the data than some other um, methods. But it sounds like what you mentioned earlier, there are still potentials for breaches. Do you want to explore that with us a little bit? Well, I would say it like this as well. Um, A blockchain uh, is only as strong as the nodes that are part of the network. Like any decentralized network, it's the elements of it that determines its level of security. When the blockchain, when someone uses uh, the internet to send a message to a particular uh, system that will write a record onto the chain, well, that message can be intercepted and altered and manipulated and all sorts of things in the same way that all the other messages going over the internet can be altered in that way. This is the part with, and look, the part with blockchain that is great its biggest strength is also its biggest weakness. Uh, when you write a record to the chain, it's permanently there. We can add a negative afterwards, right? But we can never remove the fact that this transaction happened. That's that property of immutability, of, uh, of evidence that is indisputable that we're all looking for, right? It's timestamped. It's on the chain. You can't go back later and change it. That's fantastic. What if you make a mistake when you're writing the data? Mm. And mistakes happen all the time. (laughs) Uh, Human beings fundamentally make mistakes. Nothing wrong with that. No shame. Uh, But even computers, a transistor, right, that is holding uh, its logic gate up or down, right, to be a one or a zero, will randomly change. And it's happening in our computers all the time. But we have all these error correcting mechanisms that uh, make the problem effectively invisible to us so we don't have to deal with it. Now, that's not a big deal in a computer that it's flexible and adaptable and change all the time. But, well, what happens if that happens in our blockchain? Um, And so, look, it does offer a lot of promise and a lot of potential and it creates all these new possibilities and a whole set of new problems. But that's exciting because as humans, we're great at analyzing problems, working through problems, trying solutions to problems, and working as a collective to be able to get past them. Well said. I appreciate that. So, uh, Parcel, what is the solution it's hoping to offer the industry? Because I know there are a lot of... um, tracking, you know, seed to sale systems, compliance hardware that already exist. So what sets your system apart from from the others? Um, In some ways, it can be summed up as simply as our system makes sense. It's easy to use. It's not overly complicated. It, like I said, our system is the glue that brings all of these things together that tend not to play so nicely. So for example, let's talk about the financial industry, Um, you know, and you can imagine the, you know, the personality archetype of a person that tends to come from that industry, right? And I mean, look, look at the cannabis industry. Let's think about the cannabis industry and the archetype of the typical person from that industry. Those two personalities do not vibe with each other. Um, So our system 
it helps one by and also helps the other at the same time. So for example, let's say a bank wants to bank as many customers as possible and it wants it to do it compliantly uh, so it can make money and also uh, operate according to the law. And they come to a cannabis business and they say, hey guys, look, your industry is high risk, but even with that, we're gonna work with you and we will charge you a premium because we're in the business of risk. It's not unreasonable. Um, so we're gonna charge you a premium, but before we even bank you, the people that regulate us, this group called FinCEN, they, they've instructed us that we've got to do a bunch of things. Those things are unusual. And people from the financial industry don't adapt all that well to having to do things that are not in their normal wheelhouse. Not only that, but the clearance, the authority level that the people who need to do the work uh, is often uh, to the point of having to be a BSA officer, which is a Bank Secrecy Act officer. So you need security level clearance from the US government. There are not that many of these people and the, the amount of information that they have to go through is immense. Therefore, the banks, even if they do work with cannabis businesses, each business costs them a lot of money to support and the amount of businesses that they can bank is very limited. So what do we do? We come into play and we say, hey, you guys, both of you are having a hard time. And the first thing to say is it's neither of your fault. Let's just start there. Now, this business, the cannabis business is struggling. Let's improve the bottom line. Let's reduce costs. Let's open up new opportunities for leads. So our inventory solution makes them more, solution, more efficient. Our uh, customer engagement, uh, authentication and marketing solution helps drive them more leads. And if they're a business that is uh, doing the right thing, they'll convert some of those leads to sales. And so it's gonna be good for them. When our customers make money, it's good for us. Meanwhile, while we are technologies helping that business run better, the data is coming out the back and being transformed into a uh, format that is exactly what the financial industry need to be able to do their analysis of the cannabis business, firstly during onboarding, but also in an ongoing fashion. There are these um, SAR reports that banks have to file whenever there's a marijuana-related transaction. That's a whole bunch of boring, uninteresting information, but hey, that's what banks got to do. That's why it's so hard for them. And it's unfair for people to just cast blame without truly understanding the complexity of what these people have to deal with. So our system prepares that data, gives it to them, but then here's the kicker, where the future, the people who own that data are the business and they only should, they're the ones that should decide if that data gets exposed. So our system creates these over the top compliance reports and it does it on a transaction by transaction level, which is way more detailed than it happens in any situation today. Mm. So giving them a better granular level of information and if they need to analyze all the way to the nuts and bolts, they can send a request via our platform to the business to open up that data. And if the business wants to, they can open it up. Hmm. What this is gonna do is slowly but surely create these trusted networks within the industry 
that will be the mechanism that allow the industry to get to that point of full decentralization. Wow. Yeah, that's that's complex. Does it work with existing point of sale systems? Is it yes. meant to be? Okay. Yeah, I mean... Look, we've got an open API type ecosystem. If people come and say, we want to use this point of sale, that point of sale, we always do everything we can to integrate with them because, I mean, why, it's not for us to tell the business that you have to use all of our bits or you can use nothing. I mean, that's that feels unreasonable. Um, we've got our niche where we, uh, we play really well. We've got good technology that delivers value and it's been proven. Great. But we don't do everything. There's lots of other great people out there doing other great things. So again, our interest at the end of the day is for our customers to succeed. So if we can connect them with uh, a third party marketing company that we just happen to know because we're active in the industry and we recognize they need help to set up the campaign, that we're not, we're not going to set up that campaign, then by all means, we'll get them to do that. I mean, in some ways it would feel silly not to. Yeah, well, I could I could see why you'd want to give your clients a, a customizable suite of options, right? Like you can work with us for these parts. You can use who you want to for these. Um, that makes it super accessible. So I'd like to dive in deeper into um, Parcel's upcoming projects, um, new stuff you've got on the docket. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. Uh, thanks to PolyScience, and we'll be right back. Every cultivator knows that facility design can make or break your grow. So why not choose the team with over 15 years of experience in the industry? Cerna Cultivation Technologies provides floor plan and architectural services, comprehensive HVACD equipment, lighting and benching, and so much more, all within your budget. It's time to grow your way. Go to Cerna.com. That's S-U-R-N-A.com to learn more. All right, we are back with Isaac from Parcel, and we're talking about um, compliance, transparency, blockchain, and really cool technology that you can use to sort of maximize your efficiency, right, for whether you're a retailer or manufacturer. So, Isaac, what does Parcel have coming up? Have you got new projects that you're excited to kind of tackle, new challenges that you're looking to overcome? Yeah, no, for sure. So look, I guess one of the things I wanted to talk about with blockchain, you're able to use a single set of data uh, to be able to uh, leverage multiple applications off of it, right? Mm -hmm. So if let's say we're talking about traceability data, right? The, the history of a product, uh, that's useful for the cultivator, the manufacturer, the distributor, the retailer, cool. The regulator also wants to see that same data. So I see it. <laughs> we forgot about the most important person in this supply chain. The customer. The end customer. <laughs> and they ultimately bear the strongest repercussions of whether that product was made well, poorly, whatever it is. Yeah. So in the same way that we want to help businesses, we want to empower individuals with as much data, easily accessible information as possible, because there's also a balance. You don't want to overwhelm people with, you know, lab reports that have 500 chemicals and stuff. I mean, I like that stuff. I don't know if it's for everyone, <laughs> um, but, you know, 
Some people are very, very interested in it and we want to make it available and then they can choose how far they want to take it. But we've recently released a new app in the App Store called Parcel Trust. And we believe that it's a solution that the industry needed for some time but just didn't have readily available because what it provides in the first place is the ability for an end user to authenticate the legitimacy of any cannabis or related product that they happen to encounter in or ancillary to the industry. For example, we had a vaping crisis a few years ago, Mm. right? Now, none of the vapes from what I was able to see, none of the reports that I saw ever claimed that vapes produced by legitimate companies were causing, causing people to get sick. Absolutely. It, Important to start. Right. Counterfeit stuff, yeah. people taking shortcuts, you know, cheaper, yeah. toxic materials, all that nasty exactly. stuff. Unlicensed, untested. Yeah. Problem is when people were going in to buy it, how could they tell the difference? Mm. They literally had no way to know. And so what we've done is we've used our smart packaging solution, which provides the inventory management and traceability and point of sale functionality and all that stuff that we spoke about before inside the business and marketing. Great. Now an end user can scan that very same smart tag, use the two-factor authentication that is on it and know whether that product is legit. And that can be, you know, your vape pen, can be your dab rig, That could be a set of pre-rolls. You know, a lot of pre-rolls a lot of the time are filled with inferior product. And then there are people that have decided they want to buck the trend and they want to put, you know, top level flour in their pre-rolls. But how do they make someone understand? Because you you can't get access to it until you've bought it. So by then it's sort of already too late. Um, Now, Because one thing we all got to remember, there's a large parallel illicit market that exists for the cannabis industry. And business is good for them. It's better than it's ever been. Um, So at the same time, legal operators are struggling to make ends meet uh, all the time. And it's a real crying shame because the people who are trying to do the right thing are having the most difficult time of it. So part of what it's incumbent on any of us in the industry is to do is to help suppress the black market and support the legal industry as an alternative. Parcel trust is the first way that we do that because at the end of the day, I was going to say at the end of the day, consumer safety must be number one. You know, a lot of people like we're going to bring all these new people to the industry and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You can't do that if people don't feel safe shopping in your store. It's not going to happen. And so let me clarify. So you, you've you got the app, the Parcel Trust app. You stroll into a, a dispensary um, or yeah, I'm assuming this would be done in the retail establishment if they're cool with you having your phone out, I guess. But you would you would scan the the product and the, does the product need to have that specific packaging that you mentioned the smart packaging or is it any product at all? So I might uh, I know we, we're recording video so I've I've got 
a little parcel smart tag here. I'm just going to hold it up to the camera so you can see it a little oh. bit. And I'll just put my hand behind it so that okay. we can focus. There's a little printed serial code on the front and an electronic tag that's embedded inside of it. Part of what makes us different, why it's hard to describe to people a lot of the time, it's the way that we put data on this and connect the data in this to the other um, databases and, and elements of our platform. So that's, you know, in American terminology, special source of parcel where it sort of lies. But someone would come and they would see something that looks like this or, or, some, or you know, potentially we have QR-based smart tags which can provide a lot of the same functionality, but don't, don't go all the way. So they're easier to hack. Um, but they are a lower cost solution. So in our, from our mind, I'd rather have more businesses uh, allowing products to be authenticated rather than enforcing them to buy the um, electronic tags, which provide better functionality and premium businesses will go for, but um, they are more expensive. So it's a higher investment to start off with. Someone comes and they scan it with their phone. This tag, right, the smart tag, uses the same technology as your tap and go credit card, right? Yeah. So if you can tap a credit card to pay, you can use parcel to authenticate. Um, the trick is that when you do that, this tag uh, will make the device open up a page. Once you've, you, there's a multi-factor authentication you've got to go through. And if it's legit, you can see actually what the product is. You can see the lab data that was used when it was uh, <clears throat> harvested off of the plant, right? So it tells you exactly what's in the product. I mean, how much more safe do we feel when we go shopping for some food? And it's got that black and white section with the ingredients and you know how much sodium and, and carbohydrates and stuff like that. And now we know to look for it. Well, in cannabis, the problem is the story is way too complicated to put it on the side of the package. It's, it's just too complicated, but it's okay. Most people in our society today have access to a smartphone. And so you can use that smartphone, uh, interact with something that you bought from within the cannabis industry, whether, like I said, whatever it is, and make sure that it's real. Now, this is the really cool part though. Let's imagine that I bought, um, you know, some edibles that I thought were cookies brand, off a guy that I saw on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Because I thought, I'm a silly tourist. I don't really know how the industry works. And, you know, I just, someone was selling something, so I bought it. It sounded great. I was looking for Cookies Brand because I came to California. I'd heard about it. I really just wanted to try it, right? But I ended up buying a counterfeit. So Cookies and all the good work and branding that they've done Mm. have lost me as a customer, particularly if I go and consume whatever it is that I bought that's counterfeit and have a bad experience. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, let's put parcel trust into the picture. You use the app. You try to scan it. Let's say they try to counterfeit our tags. I'm sure people are going to do it. Let's say they try to counterfeit our tags and they, they, they didn't get it right. Um, and so the app is going gonna, is gonna to pop up with a very clear message that says, this is not legit. Wow. The next stage is where things get interesting because the, the app says, would you like to report it? Mm. 
And when you report it, you can put photos and get location data. All of a sudden, we can get all sorts of different things. Um, and when we do that, um, we can start to create a map of where this counterfeit activity is taking place, right? Okay. And now this is the part that I really love. You can opt in when you send that message to us that you want to be contacted back to find out, well, what ended up happening about this report of a counterfeit product? And you know what? If I was reporting a counterfeit, I would want to know what happened after that. Mm. At Parcel, we, we accept it. We then find the brand that they are counterfeiting and we will connect that customer to that brand. And as long as they've opted in, of course, because, you know, it's all going to be by the choice of the end user. Um, and uh, <laughs> once, once we actually go, once we go ahead and do that and we've uh, allowed them to report it, we will connect them to that brand and allow lost customers to come back into the fold. So I don't know of another application that brings customers that bought counterfeit product back into the legal industry, but that's what we've deployed for the cannabis industry. And we hope it's going to help everybody um, move the whole thing up and ahead. That's huge. And it would be so cool if, if more products were providing that level of transparency. And I, I guess it's um, it's kind of a catch-22 in some ways for the industry because you've got all of these people who, like you said, are really working hard to, to do everything legally, to provide quality products. And it's an extremely regulated industry. Some would argue the heavily, most heavily regulated industry in America. But um, when you add in these extra steps for transparency, it's great for consumers, it's great for the industry, it's a bit more work uh, possibly for, for the producers and manufacturers. But if you're putting in good work, as you said, show people that you're doing it, right? Show them, show them all the effort and time you've, you've taken to, to provide quality, clean, reliable, consistent products to people because without that, you're gonna scare people away you're giving the entire industry potentially a, a negative, adding to that negative stigma because you can get contaminated products, products that are harmful to people that don't do what they say, that aren't what they're labeled, that have different effects than intended. Um, and so if we're actually going to make this industry something that that can be federally legalized, that people could recommend to their grandmother, to someone in the hospital, to their son, it, it's got to be verifiable it's got to have that level of scrutiny and it, it may be more work it may be more costly but if that's something that that we can provide um you know i i hope i wish that we would do it <laughs> i wish that we would do it and from a consumer perspective i would love that yeah and i mean listen at the end of the day i think listen what did we start talking about today we talked about blockchain and I think it's particularly pertinent here because what's the issue? A lack of trust. Yeah. I have to trust the dispensary. I have to trust the grower and the farm. I have to trust the regulators. They're doing the right thing. I want to trust the, the vape pen manufacturer that they mm -hmm. did the right thing. There's, you know, we've got a complex society that does a lot of really cool things, but you know, let's just proceed with trust, but verify. Absolutely.
Well, that's super exciting. Um, have you got any um, depart like closing closing thoughts for our, our listeners, Isaac? Um, look, we just want everyone uh, to have the best experience they possibly have in cannabis, whether it's a medical outcome they're looking for or whatever it is that they're trying to get, you know, help with sleeping or all sorts of different things. Our mission is to help facilitate this and make this happen in a way where those working in the cannabis industry feel that it is the preeminent industry in the world that everyone else looks up to. And so we can kind of flip the script and stop the, uh, the hangover feeling that people have that to be using cannabis is to be lesser. It's mm. not true. And it's time we change that perception. I love that. Where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and keep up with Parcel and maybe even find out if some of their favorite products are, are using that technology? So I'd always recommend everyone to come see us on our website. Uh, you can also see us on Twitter and LinkedIn where we're throwing things out and Instagram, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, look, we're, we're always happy to engage with as broader uh as many people as possible, because at the end of the day, ultimately the system is for everyone, whether they're using cannabis, whether they're not using cannabis, it's something that's supposed to help make things better. And we hope that we've been able to, to get a little way towards that. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Isaac. Um, for all of our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks and you want to hear about more emerging cannabis technology, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to Cannabis Tech Talks on Apple iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also pick up the latest issue of Cannabis and Tech Today on Barnes & Noble newsstands across America and in Canada. And for everyone listening, uh, thanks for joining us and stay elevated. 